Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. It's a reunion today. He's back. Keith Jones and Tom Block back together once more. I missed you, buddy. How you been? Uh, well, other than being sick, uh, I have been great. I mean, trips to Louisville and last night getting back from, uh, uh, where were we? Chestnut Hill, Chestnut I think. Chestnut Hill. And then uh, Tallahassee getting a little bit of rain. I've been a little under the weather, so I haven't been the most pleasant of persons to be around. So nothing's changed, in other words. Shut up. The game last night. Uh, well, first of all, let's talk about the Boston experience. What was the temperature? Did you leave the hotel, or was the Boston temperature don't leave the hotel weather? Don't leave the hotel weather. Okay. It did not get above 30. It did not snow, and I don't know if you studied that storm that came through. It actually came through south of there, so plenty of places, 50 miles, 100 miles south of Boston, got 18 and 20 inches of snow. Boston got about 4 inches, but it was cold. And we were in Newton. You've spent a lot of, we've spent a lot of times in that Marriott at Newton. And uh, we were there for one purpose and one purpose only. Get on the bus, go to the arena, and go to the hotel, the airport, and get back home. Does it still feel like 1976-ish when you walk in that Well, they've upgraded, they have upgraded some of it. We're up into the 80s now. We're up into the 80s. We're okay. up in it's, the been, 80s. it's been a few years since I've been there. So, obviously, Florida State did the expected last night, which was got a win over a winless BC team. But, but really... I mean, you could probably pick one play from Saturday's loss to Pitt that would have changed the result there. Several plays that are on that opportunity table to choose. And we'd be sitting here four and four and everybody would be feeling all right about the ACC. But that was such a bad taste the way that second half unfolded against Pitt on Saturday. Well, when you're up 10 points at halftime, uh, you know, your your probability of success is greatly multiplied. And to let that get away, particularly the way that it got away, uh, was very disappointing. What was heartening uh, is that, that Coach Ham charged uh, the team, and they spent a lot of time talking about two things. They got one of them right, and that was rebounding. They out-rebounded uh, Boston College 48-32 to 32 or whatever it was. But the turnovers, continuing to, to, to have new and creative ways of turning the ball over. You know, in the in the pit game, the five-second count on – on Dwayne and and I asked Coach Ham about that in the post game show. He about bit my head off. He says, "Well, X was supposed to go into the back court. Well, X didn't go in the back court. Bacon's got to go. Okay, timeout. We had one, and then the new and creative ways they turned the ball over last night. Um, uh, it, it's become a smorgasbord of opportunity for the opponent if you don't protect the basketball. Well, and the thing that disappoints me there is that I really thought they would be much improved than years past in that department because they have so many athletic guards and wing players offensive acumen is on this team you know you should be able to dribble yeah some of those turnovers should be done yeah uh we got we'll we'll talk more hoops here but obviously i need to acknowledge that the fsu football schedule came out yesterday as you know uh tim linnefeld's going to join us we'll discuss that monk bonasort will also join us who uh in his role at the florida state athletic department is sort of the football go-to guy in terms of scheduling and uh, we'll pick his brain to the degree that uh, he'll allow us to discuss how this uh, schedule unfolded um, in in terms of what was released but I do want to mention this segment is sponsored as always by Madison Social we got a 12 noon Saturday game against Clemson Uh, Madison Social does a very excellent brunch it seems that those two things might align either if you're going to the Civic Center or if you prefer just to sit outside on the patio at Madison Social. Either way, you're within walking distance. You can start in one place and go to the other or start in the other and go to the one. It's up to you. There you go. All right, so that said, thanks again to uh, Matt Thompson, Madison Social, for all they do here on the front row. I do want to uh, – I'm going to share an aside real quick. So I went to the pit game with family, wife, two kids. So uh, the good thing about family, as those of you with families know, is that they help provide perspective, i.e. the world is not over because Florida State just lost a game that it shouldn't have, in my opinion. So I was was not angry. I was disappointed, but I had the family and it was good. But my son, who is five, you know, the legends were back. So he can't relate to this at all, but I told him he needed to meet him. He has no idea who Charlie Ward is. He has no idea who Dave Cowens is. So we go to the meet and greet afterwards that Seminole Boosters had with the tip-off club, and here comes Charlie. We take a picture with Charlie, and my son gets in there, and he 
he smiles because I tell him to smile. But really, the look says, I don't know who this guy is, but you told me to be here. So then we find Dave Cowens, and it's tough to take a picture of Dave Cowens with a five-year-old because, of the, yeah, because Dave's whatever he is. Six, and, and my son's, nine? Yeah, and my son's not. So same kind of, you know, smile like dad's telling me to smile, so I'm going to smile. All right, so then we go to dinner afterwards, separate this. <clears throat> I need to point out that my son has become a sports freak. I mean, if FSU's on, really if anybody's on, he'll stop and watch the game. And his favorite player has become Malik Beasley. Good choice, right? So we go to dinner, and I come out of the men's room, and who's sitting there having dinner after the game but Malik Beasley? So lo and behold, I bring my son over. I said, Nolan, that's Malik. So now he grins ear to ear. It is not a fake for smile. Malik picks him up, takes the picture. And so ended up being a great personal experience. Doesn't change the record in the uh, in the standings, and it was still a tough loss, but it was a good day for him. Well, two things about that real quick. Number one, about 90 minutes before tip, I'm out at uh, the table and watching uh, Chris Culp, our engineer, set up the equipment. And there's a few Florida State kids out there, and they're uh, warm-ups just kind of shooting around. And I'm standing there, and I got my arm on the ball rack you know, the little portable rack that has the basketballs. And I'm standing there, and I notice that there's someone standing beside me. You know how you get that feeling that there's someone there? I turn around, and I look, and I don't pay attention, and I look back to the Florida State players, and I go, hey, wait a minute. I know that guy. And I turn back, and it's Charlie. Charlie has walked up there. I don't know how long he's been standing beside me. He's just standing there. And I turn around, Charlie, Charlie, how are you? I'm good. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing good. That's a Heisman Trophy winner, a 12-year NBA player, and, and he can walk up unnoticed, unannounced, and just be there. That, that's Charlie. That's who Charlie is. Well, I was going to say, that's so strikingly different from when he was here. I mean, oh. he's always so loud and flamboyant. Oh. He always knew where he was. I mean, the point is consistent. <laughs> and how about, for those fans that watched it, if not, Google, I understand the it's Dave on YouTube. Cowan's the thing Dave Cowan's halftime free throws are absolute must-watch. I, I understand it's on YouTube. I don't know for sure, but I understand it might be. Just go, Google Dave Cowan's FSU halftime or something like that and watch Cowan's shoot free throws. It's, it is unbelievable. Yeah, it is worth That's That's good. Matter of fact, why don't we get it on Seminoles.com? That's where it needs to be if we're going to go and we'll, we'll get we'll – Do we get, know anybody? Let's talk to Tim. Okay. All right, we'll put in a word with Tim. All right, we're going to step aside. Uh, obviously, there's more to react to with basketball. The football schedule is out, and uh, we'll focus our attention uh, that direction in coming segments. We are just get- – it's so good to see you, Keith. I'm good to be here. All right, we're back with more on the front row right after this. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the show. Tom and Keith back together again. And it's time now for our Seminoles.com Insider Report as we are joined by our Seminoles.com Insider Tim Linnefelt. And Seminoles.com, by the way, pretty good place to follow all the recruiting happenings, uh, which will happen is that coming up? a week from today, apparently. That is upon us. That is upon us. Save for that. There's always that one mystery recruit that people fantasize and romanticize about that maybe will come in two or three days after signing day. But uh, regardless, or whenever that uh, happens, you can find, find out more about that on us. Seminoles.com. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Good. Of course, this week uh, you can go to Seminoles.com uh, for analysis uh, on the Florida State football schedule. Jen, I saw your tweet yesterday, but not everybody did. I had a, a similar thought when I first saw the schedule, but just c- kind of share what your impressions were when it came out, Tim. Well, uh, like I said, and, and I think the more I think about it, the more I, I start to feel this way is that you know, for what it's worth, I think it's about as, as difficult as you could arrange the 12 games on that schedule. And that's not to say that it's a murderer's row. The games are what they are. But when you put them, you know, let's say Louisville, going to Louisville is going to be tough. Going to South Florida is, is going to be reasonably tough. When you put those games back-to-back, now all of a sudden you get kind of the, the bonus multiplier, if you will. Uh, the same thing when you host North Carolina before you go to Miami uh, and on and on and on. So uh, I think it's, it's going to be pretty challenging. And it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, if you're a, a fan. Uh, there's really not a lot of weeks that you look at and say, oh, I'm not too excited about this one. Uh, there's, there's a lot of compelling games on the schedule and a, and a lot of things to look forward to. That's just, just my opinion. Well, I think the multiplier, Tim, is that 
those uh, away games are earlier in the year. You don't have, you know, two or possibly three home games uh, against a uh, quote-unquote a lesser opponent. That, with the fact that the quarterback situation is what it is, that's still going to be a big question mark, just like coming into the, to the 2015 season. And, and I think that multiplier does get two times two times two. I think it does get up there very quickly, particularly the first six ball games of this 12-game schedule. Sure, and, and you know, everything's a trade-off, right? Like, look, having three games away from home in the first month of the season is going to be difficult. Well, the other side of that is you have a whole lot of home games in the back half of the season, which you like. Uh, you know, I think if, if, if the trade-off for playing at Louisville and at USF is that you get to a bye week before Clemson, I think that's a pretty good deal for Florida State. I think that's really important. So uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword on, on both sides. There are some really good things about the schedule. Most notably, like I said, that bye week before Clemson I think is, is huge. But you have to survive some of those tougher stretches, and I think for FSU, some of them come a little bit earlier in the first half of the season. Some of that is FSU's doing because they scheduled a home-and-home with USF. Were that weekend free, then they could have potentially had a home ACC game week three and then gone on the road in week four and, and softened that a little. Uh, we're going to talk with Monk Bonasort in our next segment about a, the, some of the scheduling process and sort of Florida State's philosophy and how that is going forward. I am not a subscriber in the theory that the ACC just sets out to, to screw FSU in terms of how they put these games together. I think they try to manage a lot of companies. I think you disagree. I, I think this particular year they have gone above and beyond to make sure one particular thing happens that Clemson and Florida State are positioned other than the second or third week, i.e. they're positioned late, and that both squads have an open or a bye week before the game. That is obvious, the uh, the, the uh, ACC going, we've got to position that marquee game for national viewing. Well, and the reality is, based on the last five years, the winner of that game will represent the Atlantic, even if one of those teams has lost a game beforehand because you get the head-to-head. So even if FSU stubs its toe, that would be significant there. I, my initial impression, Tim, was similar to yours, and that is, and I'm making an assumption here, but under the assumption that we have a new quarterback next year, whichever one it is it's not an ideal schedule for a new quarterback i mean four or six away from home against pretty you know maybe not stout competition but decent competition oh absolutely no matter who it is even if it's sean mcguire that you know monday night prime time game against Ole miss it's not like you're going to be easing your way into this thing it would be a perfect situation you guys realize just as an aside that uh if, if this were the the old days of college football so to speak we'd be going into the season with Jameis winston as a fifth year senior that's pretty good stuff. Hadn't thought about that. There so, you so go. You, so what do you think about, man, how great would it be to have a fifth-year senior going into uh, to that game against Ole Miss uh, under center? Sorry, this is just a, a little bit of a daydream type of thing. Well, I was just going to say, if you're going to go that route, then we have to give Ole Miss credit for all their guys that left early would still be on the absolutely. team, too. So that would have changed things a little bit. A- absolutely. So so, so what are we saying? That I, I think there's going to be a lot of, of – new contributors at Florida State, potentially a quarterback. Ole Miss is going to have some holes to fill. You know, maybe it won't be the, the best-played game of the season, first game of the year, but it, but it still should be fun. And I think that, you know, given the roster circumstances, both coaches might prefer to be at home against maybe a non-Power 5 opponent. But uh, but for fans, I think it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, but, but maybe not the best time to, to be breaking in a quarterback. I think you'll find out what you got in a guy pretty quickly. Well, two things. Number one, I've always been a big believer, particularly as it relates to these, uh, we'll call them these preseason games that are not preseason games, but the, the national contest on a neutral site, which has become the norm. I'm a big believer that that is a huge positive for the program for this reason, Tim. I'd be interested in your comment. Your upperclassmen are going to be focused the entire off season. Your, your winter workouts, your weight training during spring ball because they understand the significance of, of kicking off in prime time, first game of the year. They've done it before. If you've got a young quarterback, then to whatever degree you've got maturity on that offensive side, they'll bring him along. The other thing that, that's interesting to me that I've heard uh, quarterback coaches talk about is that when they have a young quarterback – it's not necessarily a bad thing to have away ball games because you get to leave on Thursday and get that young quarterback completely immersed on what's going on. They don't have to worry about all their friends, their relatives, their families coming into town for a home game and tell them how great they are and congratulating them on, on winning the job and, and how much they're looking forward to playing and how many extra tickets they have to get. They're away. They're out of town. 
and they only have to focus on football. So uh, I, I think there's two positives there with that that opening kickoff on primetime and what your upperclassmen can do to help. And if you do have a young quarterback, even though you're playing away from home the first two or three or three out of four ball games, they can really get focused. Your thoughts? Oh, I, I agree with that completely. Look, I you know I still think that there would be some advantages to say having that Charleston Southern game first instead of second. But I agree with everything you said. There are some silver linings there. It almost allows you to have tunnel vision going on the road, not having to worry about the distraction, like you said, friends, family, girlfriend, whatever. Uh, it really allows you just to sort of dial in and, and focus on, on the task at hand. And I wonder from a coach's perspective if they almost prefer that because, you know, coaches obviously want to be in control, especially in the 24, 48 hours before a game. And I wonder if it's almost easier to do that when you're on the road. I guess you could probably say that, that it is, but – uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's still going to be. I mean, I think it's a challenging game. Like, look, Ole, Ole Miss is going to be replacing some, you know, plenty of guys off their roster, and, and before State's replacing some key guys too. A lot of new guys in, in, in new places, and so I, it, it's going to be fun. And, and I do think that you know what we see in that first game, of course, might not be indicative uh, of what the team might actually be on both sides. And for for as big a playoff implication as that game has, I don't know that it's necessarily an elimination game, especially if, if you, you play well and, and go on to have a good season. But it, but it definitely, I think, is just it's more of an opportunity really than a risk. And I think if you win it, you, for at least you know a, a week or two, you might have the, the biggest, most significant victory in college football. So it really can serve as a, a springboard into some big things. Tim, uh, just a general question. Forget who the opponent is. Are you in favor of a Friday night home game as opposed to a Thursday night road game. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Of course. Uh, I don't. I don't see how people uh, people are not. You know, if your choice is Friday night against Boston College or Thursday night at NC State or at Louisville, and I'm not saying those were the choices, but but if if let's just for the sake of discussion, say those are the choices, how could you not choose a Friday night home game? Especially factoring in that it's Veterans Day holiday. Not everybody's off work, but some people you got to think will be. We know that it's a night game, so you can get into town. I understand it's not ideal from a travel standpoint, and it's a little bit more difficult, but given the landscape of college football and in the ACC where Friday night games are a reality, I think it's the best you could ask for. Well, and that was Florida State's option, as I understand it. I don't know who the opponent would have been, but it was, you know, you're well, going to play a Thursday night road game or take a Friday home game, and Florida FSU State took cannot, a Friday home game. Florida State cannot play Thursday night home games. They right. basically just told the ACC that is not an option because they have an on-campus facility. Same thing applies to Clemson. Uh, however, what's really been unique is how Virginia Tech has embraced 30, Thursday night home games in Blacksburg. I guess that's a, a topic for another discussion. Well, and, and but, but that's why Florida State has to make decisions as to whether they want to play Thursday night road games or an occasional Friday night home game. It's for that reason. Well, it was. I think Clemson's going to Boston College, which Florida State did. Again, let's assume you're playing on a Friday night. Would you rather do it at home or on the road? Uh, you know, we, we, all we've heard for the last what 15 years is the, the the weeping and gnashing of teeth about how difficult Thursday night games are and how they all, always set up for for upsets and and Florida State struggles on Thursday night, which, in my opinion, and I think history bears this out, have been largely overblown in recent years. Well. Well, now you have one of those types of games at home, and, and furthermore, if, you know, I don't know if it's the ACC throwing Florida State a bone, but you have it on a on, on a day where a lot of people are already off work and off school. So, I, again, I understand people who aren't thrilled with it, but given that it is happening, I think it's about the best circumstances under which it could happen. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's the ACC throwing FSU a bone. It's FSU saying this is our only chance. We're Friday Veterans Day. Uh, a line in the next five six years or whatever is the way the calendar falls so they they took advantage of that i think and i don't know that games are played uh you know college football kicks off on that thursday night are there friday night college football games that opening weekend because that's one when fsu should shine up to play a an away friday night game of course you'd have to open with a conference opponent but you'd get a day earlier and get eight days before week two i don't know if that's a conference weekend or if that's even a, a tv window on that friday night i bet if they really wanted to make it happen they could but i'm not sure yeah, well, clearly TV has uh, proven that. If they really want to make it happen, they can. Well, it's going to be interesting. It is It is a challenging uh, schedule. I, I Going back to where we started, Tim, I, I think you're right. Uh, if you were going to divide up the schedule, you, you'd be hard-pressed to, to do do it uh, in more difficult fashion maybe than, than the way it lays out because 
if you assume that Wake Forest, BC, and Syracuse are the three easiest conference opponents you're going to play, you're, you're playing them all in the second half of the season. None of them are up right. front. But it, sure. it, it is what it is. Now, that all that said, I, I do not like to get into complaining about the schedule and being that guy because there's enough of that on social media. You've got to line up and play them and uh, don't make an excuse. Make it an opportunity. Oh, I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't see it as a complaint at all. In fact, some of the folks on Twitter yesterday, when I when I mentioned that, uh, it kind of went both ways. Somebody was like, "Oh, don't be saying that." He thought that I was saying that it was an easy schedule and that the ACC schedule was easy and that this is as hard as it was going to get. And then the other people were saying that that I was going too far the other way, saying it was too tough. And I, I don't. I don't mean that. I just mean that, that given the game, you know, on the schedule, short of doing something crazy like putting you know Clemson, Miami, and Florida back to back. Given a, a reasonable college football schedule, it looks like schedules usually do. Uh, I think it's challenging. I think that that first month, we're going to learn a lot about this team between playing Ole Miss in Orlando, going to Louisville, which is a tough place to play, and I think they're going to have a much improved team when Lamar Jackson gets another year under his belt, and then at USF, which is one of the hottest teams in the country in the second half of the season. In and of in, in and of themselves, those games are reasonably challenging. When you start playing them three in four weeks, three in the first four months. That just adds on to it, you know? And so uh, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think for, for a fan's perspective and just for college football in general, it's really interesting. But for, for Jimbo Fisher, I wouldn't blame him if he was, uh, you know, a, a little bit, not maybe not concerned, but just sort of looking at it like, oh, boy, we're going we're gonna to find out really quick what we got. Well, Tim, I'll tell you what, we're going to do uh, you a favor. We're going to give you a break from discussing basketball this week because Keith and oh, I are, sure. are going to go over that. What's that? Have me on to talk about the thirty-point losses, but when uh, when they win, we're going to skip it. Well, okay. No, since, since you're begging for the opportunity, you've got thirty seconds. Your analysis, please. Last night's ten-point victory over winless BC. I, you know what? At, at this stage of the game, bank the wins when you can get them. Uh, I, I don't think that this is a team that's in the business of, of complaining about how wins come about. Uh, so obviously, that's the first half was a little slow, but the win was the most important thing, and, and it just leads to that next game. Yeah, Clemson and NC State, both of them at home. Uh, and in my opinion, both of them are must-win games. If you win both of those, you're back to 500 in the league, and maybe you can make some things happen in February. There you go. That was like 26 seconds. Very well hey, done, Tim. And uh, we'll have you on uh, next time we talk hoops. Hopefully it'll be after a win and, and not after a loss. Maybe but. after two wins. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate right. it, Tim. All right, fellas. I appreciate it. Tim Thanks. Manifeld, our Seminoles.com insider. I, I wasn't trying to not give him the opportunity so much as – deferring to you as the resident basketball expert who's been with the team and has plenty of well, uh, Tim's thoughts. Well, Tim traveled with us. Tim actually made well, the Tim Louisville Tim went to trip. Louisville, yep. which means he's never allowed on a road trip again with men's basketball based on that result. That's where I was going. Yes, exactly. All right, we'll, we'll step aside, come back with much more here on the front row. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. On the front row, Tom and Keith with you. We've already talked to Tim Linnefeld from Seminoles.com and talked uh, at length about Florida State football schedule here for 2016. But uh, now we've got the opportunity to talk to somebody who really is uh, behind the scenes the guru. and has a lot to do with how this uh, lays out. And this is uh, Monk Bonasort, Senior Associate Athletic Director at, uh, at FSU. Monk, good to talk to you. How are you? Tommy, KJ, how y'all doing today? Doing good, doing good. Doing good. I want you to know, by the way, and this is not the premise of the interview, Monk, but uh, KJ and I are, are thinking about you, and uh, we know you're, you're you're working hard and pulling hard and fighting the fight that you got in your hands right now. That's all good. You know, life goes on. We got to deal with we got to deal with, and God's got a plan. So we just, you know, fight every day. There you go, and keep fighting that fight, Monk. All right, this, the schedule comes out. Uh, you obviously, I, I guess, probably were aware of it to some degree within the last couple of weeks. From a, from a, before we talk about the specifics, from a broad perspective, how does this process play out? I mean, do you send the ACC a preferred schedule? Do you get one or two choices? Does the league just send to the, the conference teams, here's what we're thinking, react to it and let us know? How does that process unfold? Well, usually what they do early, they give you an opportunity for maybe one or two adjustments depending on dates. Like, we'll say North Carolina State, they have that fair every year, so they're trying to avoid certain dates when they have a fair. Or if you have events in your city, like if you're an NFL team or 
there's other other games in the area, so you have opportunities to say, hey, can we avoid this? Can we avoid this? Um, and then you know we already knew with with Old Miss and uh, Charleston Southern um, where we were at, and usually we kind of knew early, and we didn't. Our hands were tied with the Louisville situation because you know they try you know they ask us to try to do our non-conference games early or like we play Florida late or you do one right before you play your rivalry which we have started to do but with the schedule the way it was and uh, what us having old miss and then a short turnaround we had to play um uh, you know we had to schedule that F- FCS goal because of the short short turnover and then you play Florida uh later on in the season and then because of the scheduling that we did a couple of years ago with South Florida, that left a gap there that third week of the season. And there were only four ACC teams that had a gap in their season for that, for that week. It was us, Louisville, I think Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and another team from the Coastal. So we knew where we didn't play Virginia Tech, and we knew we didn't play the other Coastal team. So we knew up front we were having to play Louisville the third game of the year. We knew that for the last couple of months. So that was more dictated by what the schedule was set up because of your non-conference games. And then everything kind of fell in place. And, you know, talking to the ACC and talking to TV, they wanted to have Miami week five or six. And then they wanted to try to look at, um, uh, you know, Clemson, you know, seven or eight or nine. So they're trying to fill it in what, what TV wants because they are the ones that are paying the dollars. And then uh, they threw at us, uh, you know, the, the the Friday night game. And you know, when you look at that, it was either more than likely we could have been on the road on a Thursday with a short week. I and mean, you look at Clemson's schedule; they've got two games on a short week rest. They play a Friday, they play a Thursday game, they play Georgia Tech after a Saturday game, and then they play a Friday game after a Saturday game. So. Uh, and we we do play uh, Charleston Southern on a short rest with uh, with Ole Miss, but you know the, the schedule's hard. And when you look at it, you have North Carolina, who's a top ten team, you know, and you'll have Ole Miss. And where where can you find breaks? Where can you say, okay, give me a breather in between them? And breathers don't occur anymore. I mean, you know, because you, you, you're going to space out Clemson, you're going to space out Miami, you got North Carolina, you got Louisville, so it's hard, you know. And at that point. You know, the, the ACC says, here's your schedule, you know, and they give you an opportunity to look at it. Um, but there's not much you can do when you get that far down the road. Let me ask you this in regard to what you said about trying to accommodate pro stadiums and NC State with the fair there right next to its stadium. Has there been any conversation, and maybe it's too complex to work it out, to try and protect eight Saturdays a year and tell the league, basically, these are going to be your eight conference dates. Don't schedule games on these dates. So that, uh, I mean, when I compare it to, say, the SEC, where we know when Florida is going to play Georgia in October for, you know, in perpetuity, basically, the way the SEC does it. Or is it just too many moving parts on the ACC side to get to a model like that? Well, Tommy, I'm going to say this. We play, you know, know, we got Notre Dame every third year, okay, so they've already given us our dates for for Notre Dame for uh, let me think I'm I'm trying to think the dates in 18 and then 21. I know we play them when we play them at home. We're going to play them early in the year. When we play them on the road, we're going to be playing them in November. So that's not the first. You know that's a considered a non-conference game. So now you got Florida, you got Notre Dame. Florida always be last. Notre Dame is going to be two or three weeks or two weeks before Florida. So they're. It's hard. I know Jimbo's been pushing that to say, okay, I want to play Clemson the, you know, same same weekend in October or November. I want to play Miami. Um, the problem is, is that means you've got to get teams to book their non-conference games all at the same day, all on the same same weeks, and it's hard to do that anymore because you know non-conference games are getting harder and harder to to to, to come by. And the dollar values that you have to pay these on conference games are getting harder to come by. And um, I, I don't think they can just dictate to you and say, "Hey, here's your eight weeks. You got to play these games on eight weeks." Because I don't think that the the other conferences, uh, either Power Five, if you have a Power Five or a MAC conference, or uh, you know, if you're going to play that F- FCS goal, that's 
you know, people say, well, why are we playing an FCS goal? I think it would be really hard for us to play Ole Miss, play another um, FBS school, then come back and play Louisville, and then right. come back and, and play South Florida after that. I mean, you're going to have to keep those games in there where they're at. Monk, two things, uh, whether people want to acknowledge them or not, they are a reality. That being uh, your, your kickoff, what we used to call the kickoff game or the kickoff special, your first game of the year at a neutral site. Uh, the money has just gotten to the point where you can't ignore those anymore. Uh, you can't and, ignore them. And Florida State's going to have to play one every other year, two out of three years. I mean, that's just the new norm, whether people like it or not. And then secondly, and we see this happening with Miami, if you wait too late or you have someone drop off your schedule, you cannot buy a home game anymore. No, it's hard. Miami, it's hard. Miami's going home and home with Appalachian State. It is unbelievable, uh, KJ and, and Tommy, when, when you when you're out there – and you're trying to book games, and you're 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 scheduling games with, with teams that used to be called buy-ins, and now all of a sudden these buy-ins from small conferences are saying we will only come if we do a home and home, and there's no way that you can go to some of these stadiums. I mean, you look at some of the games that were played last year, and you look at some of the games that are going to be coming up with teams that are playing in in you know. <laughs> non-Power 5, non-elite programs, it's hard. And, and, and there be teams are holding you hostage because, you know, if you look, there was a couple of teams last year that ended up with two F, FBS, FBS, uh, um, FCS goals. And, you know, we had that situation a couple of years ago when West Virginia canceled where we couldn't book a game. So it, it's getting to the point now, and we always try to be three, two, three years ahead of the curve in, in scheduling. But you can't do that anymore because, you know, three years ago we decided we were going to go to nine ACC games. People had to cancel games, and we went back to eight games, and people had to buy games out. So you do that, and you don't know where teams are going to be, um, where they're, you know, what conference they're going to be in, you know, what your conference is going to do. And it's just hard to schedule. It's well, just plus, hard to plus schedule. With Florida, and the money is getting so hard. Plus with Florida being, you know, quote-unquote, a permanent rival. Right. I mean, Florida State's playing nine conference games a year anyway if, if the right. acc went one more it becomes 10 for all intents well, and purposes well I, here here when i keep hearing well you know we don't play you know we need to play more um you know home and homes with big teams you know well we we played oklahoma's and we played in the Browns. actually when you look at it you got your eight conference games you have four every year so that's your home and home that you have but really we have another home and home that's every third every third year with notre dame and then when you throw in notre dame and then you throw in Florida, and then your schedule. It's hard for you to book another home game, and then because now you're giving up a home, a home game for for revenue. That's why you have to do the neutral site games. Because if we did a home and home with Florida every year, then with Notre Dame every third year, every third year, that means we're losing that 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 extra game. And if you can go to Orlando, you can go to Jacksonville, you can go to to Atlanta. And bring in three to five to whatever you know, dollar values that is. You, the home and homes are hard, considering you got Florida every year. You can have Notre Dame every third year. Yeah, let me let me jump in because I was going to ask you about how far out you schedule, but you've sort of answered that you, you have to be nimble, so you can't schedule out too far. Uh, because I think was it Nebraska? Was it Nebraska? Oklahoma? Somebody's got a game on the books for like twenty thirty that just happened. But there the, there are some, there are some schools who have done games home and homes for. Yeah, 2025, 2026. And we've had a couple of people call us, but you just don't know where your program is going to be at that time. You don't know financially where you're going to be. I mean, and, and, and honestly, if we can play home and homes, you know, like, like I said, we got Florida, we got Notre Dame every third year, but to bring in the marquee games and bring them to areas like Atlanta, Orlando, Jacksonville, other places that are close where our fans can get to to see those those uh, those games, and we can bring in the revenue that we're bringing in. Uh, that's that that's that's the key. That's that's a way to do. It. Well, Orlando is Ole Miss. Next year is Alabama in Atlanta. There's been right. talk about Jacksonville previously in 2018. Is that still a possibility? Well, you know, we we have talked uh, a little about about 2018. You know, we also have Boise State coming on our schedule. For, for home and home. We are looking at trying to get to Jacksonville. We don't know if it's going to be 18 or 19. I know it's something that we have been discussing with Jacksonville, 
trying to work it out with with, with different teams and with different uh, uh, venues. But that is on our on our on our hit list. Um, I, we don't know if it's going to be ni- eighteen um, or if it's going to be nineteen. Gotcha. And we're talking with Monk Bonasort, senior associate AD for FSU. Uh, this is this is good insight uh, in terms of how it plays out behind the scenes, Monk. Because I think a lot of people don't take all this into consideration when you when you lay out the schedule. And yeah, you don't want to be on the hook with uh, some guarantee if you cancel a game in 2025 because the ACC is playing more games. Here, uh, so you you mentioned Boise State, Monk, because it's been a rumor for a while that that, that series was going to go away. But that's not the intent. That's going to be a home and home that FSU plays. That's not, that, that we, there has been no discussion. Um, internally, no discussions uh, uh, to change that game right now. Uh, we we have not had any discussions with Boise. Besides, it's on our schedule, and we're moving forward. I think one of the other things that we forget about, just as fans, Monk, is that if we were in the NFL and we were playing twelve regular season games, there would be six home and six away. But but we're not in the NFL. We're Florida State, so we expect to p- play seven home games and five away. And then when you lay that over a opening game, neutral site, Notre Dame every third year, permanent partner with Florida, I mean, the numbers just make it very difficult. It becomes a very complicated process. Very complicated. And again, and, you know, and again, I know, you know, I hear a lot and we'll have people talk about, well, we need to play more home and homes with power fives. And again, you've got Florida, you've got Notre Dame every third year, and so right now, you know that lo- if you play a home and home, that lowers your your uh, your home att- yeah you know, your home games. And then if we do another one, where do you fit that in? And right. then all of a sudden you're going to six home games with no revenue. I mean, fans get to travel to Nebraska, um, but you don't have the revenue coming in that you would have going to Atlanta, going to Jacksonville, going to uh, uh, Orlando. Here, here's I'll let you go on this, Monk. Here's what I really want to know, because Tom Lang and I were discussing this. And uh, let's see, this year it is uh, September 3rd. Georgia Tech plays at BC in Dublin, Ireland. When are we going over? So when are Monk? we going to Ireland? I mean, tell me that you and Swafford are having backroom conversations about FSU, Notre Dame, and Ireland. Well, maybe something. not that, Notre that, Dame. That is interesting. That, that is interesting. You know, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. You look at, look at, look at Clemson's schedule. And I don't know if y'all looked at Clemson. They've got two games. Where they've got short rest, they have a yeah, Thursday. They, they have a Saturday Thursday game against against Georgia Tech at Georgia so Tech offense at Georgia Tech, and then they have another one with Louisville. I think a game on a on a Saturday Friday with short rest, playing another at ACC Boston College, opponent. yeah, and both of them away. That's, that second game yeah. away on short rest. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, th- those games are there. I mean, you know, we. Uh, you know, people. You notice he yeah. ignored us going overseas. Yeah, he didn't acknowledge whether we're going to Dublin anytime soon. So I'll, I won't hold out hope on that one, Monk. <laughs> well, overseas could be in the Bahamas too. I mean, isn't that like over? Like, oh, 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 you got anything you want to yeah. share? I mean, that's no, I'm over- just, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying overseas. No, we, we don't have anything <laughs> on the horizon right now. We, we have not gotten that far yet. I got you. No, no discussions. Yeah, no rumors. I don't want that on something. No, uh, well, it's I'm your chance to we'll, dispel it. It's an open slate. <laughs> we are not going overseas. There you go. On any of the conversations that we've had and nothing planned for the future. Except when the team flight goes over the Gulf to head to Tampa to play USF or whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah, yeah why, so why when we fly from Tallahassee to Atlanta, they tell us about overwater stuff. Is it not a direct flight? To where? If we go from Tallahassee to Atlanta, they're going to tell us about life rafts on a plane. We yeah, never get yeah. over the water. <laughs> That's, it's a joke, Monk. The they have to have it's a joke, those, uh, Monk. Yeah, I know that, KJ, but that's a script they have. I remember when we were flying in, uh, to the bowl game last year, and they were saying, just, uh, please put out your cigarettes. This is a no-smoking no airline. And everybody on the plane looked at each other like, what did they just say? <laughs> oh, it's been a while. Life, hey, life is too funny. Hey, Monk. Uh, appreciate you taking a few minutes to enlighten us a little bit about the schedule process. Uh, we, we didn't even talk about the Friday game. I, I guess I should get one final thought from you. I know this segment's run really long. Yeah. Uh, is there concern or was there discussion about playing a Friday home game, not as it relates to the university because the university will be closed that day, but as it relates to high school football and state playoffs in the area? Well, when you look at it, the high school season is over at that time. Uh, and, and we've had some conversations with the high school association. The high school season is over you don't know who's going to be in your playoffs at that time. I mean, there could be playoff games here. There could be playoff games in other parts of the state. 
Um, the when you look at it again, uh, we are in John Thrasher is it has been talked about and pushed about us being such a, a veteran friendly uh, environment. This is an opportunity for us to be at home, showcase Florida State on a Friday night when there'll be no other games on TV, and uh, there's no school, so it, it doesn't uh, interrupt the, the school process. Um, and the other thing, when you look at scheduling, if we don't play a home game, we will pro- probably would have played North Carolina State on the road on a short week uh, on a Thursday. So we had, you know, there, there's a lot of benefits to the team, travel, uh, different things that, that, that helped us. But, you know, we, we thought uh, and looked at it and we thought it was best for us and, uh, you know, and, you know, for the campus to uh, promote our, our veterans that, that we feel so strongly about. All righty, Monk. We we appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us. Uh, get better. I'll see you soon, and uh, keep fighting that fight, Monk. Tommy, KJ, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care, As brother. Always. Take care. Well, the most disappointing thing there is we're not going to Ireland anytime soon, Keith. We'll react to Monk's comments when we continue right after this on the front row. <laughs> Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on the show, time for uh, KJ and I to react to Monk's comments. I'm still trying to think of overseas games that we play. When you when we go to BC, there's like a reservoir right next to the stadium. That's that's overseas, right? Where else do we go? I'm I'm waiting for Trinidad and Tobago or someplace <laughs> like that. <laughs> Appreciate Monk. Joining. Now, I didn't say Mexico. Now, would Mexico? Have we ever played in Mexico? Would that qualify as he, an overseas? Because you remember, I will, remember I will te- say the Texas AD. The University of Texas AD wanted to play a game in Mexico. Yes, well, and the Pac-12 is looking at. I mean, they're they've got some games. I think in hoops in in uh, Asia that they're, wow. they're playing and, and whatnot. But basically, what Monk said there is, we're not going away anytime soon. I will say that unlike the guarantee games, like Atlanta and or, not not guarantee games, the big payday kickoff games, whatever the proper term is, Atlanta Orlando. I called them preseason. Jacksonville, kind of stupid too. But my understanding is that that game in Dublin. There's not really revenue associated with it. I mean, like you've got two schools that are just going over there to play the game and they'll get a nice TV window and a good trip to Ireland, but that's not paying any bills anywhere. Wow. So I don't think that's of any interest uh, to FSU unless that gets to the point where they say, "Hey, we'll pay you six million to come over here," or whatever the going rate is. Um, in- interesting topics there, and he Monk's right about Clemson as I, as I do look at this that they play South Carolina State on September seventeenth, and then at Georgia Tech five days later. Now, to be fair, they will have had Troy and South Carolina State at home and then Georgia Tech. But then they play Louisville, and then they go to BC on a Friday night. So that is you know, a couple of short weeks for Clemson, both on the road, which is not easy. Well, I think what Clemson understands is what Florida State understood in the 90s, and that is if you can get on a national TV window – uh, there are multiple reasons why that's going to help your program, uh, you know, on down the road. And obviously, Clemson has been uh, one of the foremost uh, teams, uh, particularly in the ACC, but in the national picture, last couple of three or four years, and they're wanting to extend that. Uh, I, I think there's a mentality that goes into it about whether you fear it or you embrace it. It's not something you vote for or you want every year, but when you get it, you might as well go ahead and embrace it and make the best of it. Well, and when you look at the skill, yes, I. Agree. Agree, which is why I'm not from the side that wants to complain about why are we playing this team here. You got to play them all. But if Ole Miss, that's going to be the only game in the window that night. That's going to do a nice number. ACC, SEC, BC on a Friday night uh, is going to be one of the highest Friday night rated games for ESPN this year, uh, no question. The Miami game always does numbers. Clemson is going to do huge numbers, especially if the teams unfold as projected. North Carolina is going to be a big number. So there's there's a lot of marquee. TV national appeal games on FSU schedule this year. You know, the one thing that you did Plus talk about. Florida, if Florida gets its act together. Right. The one thing you did talk about that, that I do wish we could get to is knowing when you're going to play games. I think there is some validity that if, if uh, Florida State and Miami are going to play in the fifth week of every year or Clemson and Florida State are going to play on the second Saturday in October every year, if, they, if there were or is some way to move towards that type of structure, uh, I think we may be wishing a little bit. It may be a little too complicated, but, boy, that would be nice. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Although I, the one thing I will say is it always feels like you wait forever for the ACC schedule. All the other leagues have their schedule out. SEC could tell you in 2026, you know, when Florida is playing LSU or whatever. But there's excitement about the ACC schedule release date. It actually gets some anticipation, and but much more so than when the SEC releases its schedule, which they do like in October in the middle of the season, because everybody already knows it. It's like, well, here's a document that states the obvious. We already know when we're playing these games. So it does create that. Uh, we don't have too much time, but I was thinking about you and Monk as teammates, which was before my days. I didn't get a chance to see you guys play together, except on the old black and white film that I watch occasionally. Uh, share the story for the for Tom and our listeners' sake about how Monk would help you out in the huddle long before the era of Damian Craig potentially stealing signs, uh, you know, for Auburn and that that sort of thing. Because th- this cracks me up every time you share this story. Well, in the old days, you would shuttle plays in with either your fullback or your tight end. So a player would literally leave the sideline, go into the huddle, relay the call to the quarterback. Quarterback would make the call to the team. They'd come up to the line of scrimmage. Well, nobody worried about covering their faces with cards or anything. So the quarterback... So this is the pre-paranoia yeah, age of coaching, exactly. which so, we're in now. So, so, so the, the, the head coach would grab the tight end and say, you know, I write 37 blast uh, or whatever. Well, Monk could read lips. Monk can read lips. So Monk would be looking, and he'd go, all right, it's I right, 37 blast. We knew what the play was, if we knew what that was. Yeah, you know, that's the second part of your story. The other part is sometimes he would say it's, it's uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, split left, 42, whatever the bleep that is. <laughs> <laughs> so you had the play call. You just didn't necessarily didn't know, know what, what it meant. It was. <laughs> uh, but it, it, was, it was quite humorous, and, and it got to the point where we probably relied on it a little too much. And the other thing about Monk and, and, and Bobby Butler, who was our corner, and James Harris and Ivory Joe Hunter on the other side, uh, Monk would keep us in the film room uh, after Coach Stanton got through with things, and Monk would be able to point out things from tape, from film, that that were amazing. Uh, I'll give you one quick example there. I forget who we were playing. It might have actually been Boston College because we played them pretty regularly back in the late 70s. And and and, and the way the, the t- this particular tape was done, when the tight end went into his three-point stance – if he had his fist balled, if he put his whole fist down, it was a running play. If he put down two fingers when he went to his three-point stance, it was a pass play. And those were the things that Monk was able to pick up. He's the best I've ever been around in my life at, at deciphering tape and picking up nuances. And then that ability to read lips, which sometimes got uh, quite uh, well, humorous how, during the game. How much did – whatever Monk weighed in his playing days, the same thing he weighs now probably. But what was it? 172. Yeah, so when you're his size, 172, you have to know the nuances. Yeah, I, I w- he was 172. I played at about 180. Uh, Bobby Butler was about 175. Uh, Ivory Joe Hunter uh, was the biggest of us. He was 185. It was a different era, different era. Well, I don't know about the other guy. Well, I'm gonna. I'm not even going to say that. Never mind. I'm just going to pause and go to break because it, it won't be good. Your reaction won't be good. So we'll step aside and finish up on the front row hey, right after this. I've graduated to a defensive lineman. That's what you're trying to say. I didn't say it. We're back with more after this. Maggie, I think I got something to say. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. We are back. A couple more minutes to go. I'm looking at the schedule again. Think, you know, one of the questions we, we didn't directly ask Monk there, KJ, was about, you know, are you going to schedule a home and home like this USF thing? Not against USF, but against anybody somewhere down the road. And he sort of well, Boise an- State, Boise yeah. State, sorry, but he sort of answered that they're really not looking to do that anymore because they've got the opportunities with the preseason games. You play Notre Dame, and so it, it kind of seems like going forward, the philosophy will be more of of that. Well, and I and I've had that conversation with Monk. I don't think I'm, I'm uh, you know violating any any trust or thing there, but they had the conversations about uh, home and home with USF and Boise State before these kickoff games became viable you know you were having those conversations three right. and five years ago and 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 so that was the mentality five years ago well now you're operating under a new mentality because of these kickoff type games which is why monk made in his comments that, that you really can't get too far out 
because you don't know what the next five-year window is going to address. You know, what if the ACC does go to a nine-team because Notre Dame becomes a full partner in the ACC? Not not necessarily something that's on the table right now, but not something that would surprise people later on. Because, and again, uh, you're feeling you're a topic for another day. <laughs> You know, uh, Tom's got to get out the pen and there, write it down. There's, there's still that underlying thing that should we be four or five conferences with 16 teams that make up a four-team playoff system? You know, and, and so there, there, what, what's next year and three years and five years down the road? Because just look back five years ago and see how much times have changed over that period of time. So being nimble and trying to balance it, I mean, I know our fans get upset. I know they, they, they have their own personal preferences. You know, we ought, to, we ought to be playing Auburn. We ought to be playing Georgia, uh, you know, those types of things. But Here's the topic but for just, another day. It's just it's so complicated when you start t- – just take 12 yellow stickies and put up on 13 weeks of whiteboard – and start shuffling all that crap around with 15 teams, uh, you know, it, it becomes, what was it from a high school permutations and combinations? You know, it I, just, I didn't go to your high school. I don't know. Shut up. That's <laughs> the second time I've told you to shut up in this show. <laughs> I know. It's shut good. up again. That'll See, be three. You did miss me. It's, it's unbelievably complicated. All right. Now I'll be quiet. Two you, last thoughts here. One, we didn't acknowledge that while FSU is on the road often early, it will be a friendly neutral site crowd in orlando and potentially pretty friendly in tampa well it won't be a friendly neutral site crowd that will be a home game in orlando. right right so i mean that that does the topic for another day is this one and i think it may already be on the list tom it may already be on the list you are you play, on page two tom you want to play auburn take the spring football do a home and home with auburn for the spring football game after we're done no, in no, orlando that's my idea so it's already on the list okay see he didn't even write it down it was on the list that might be the first one on the list we've already been there we're out of we're out of topics. We're out of time. I think we're uh, next week. No, we're not together. We might be next week is signing day on Wednesday, and we don't know what we're going to do. Uh, but we'll fax you the answer once we figure it out next week on the front row. And why do they still fax them? That things? was the point. Why of that do joke, they KJ? fax them? All right, so long, everybody. Don't we have the internet? <laughs>